Well, good morning. If you haven't been with us the last uh, five or six weeks, we're wrapping up a series that we entitled I Am. In the book of John, Jesus gave seven amazing statements where he identified himself as being God in the flesh. And he started each of the statements with the words, I am. And today we're going to look at the uh, last of the I am statements in John, that we have, the one that we haven't covered yet, and that is that I am the way and the truth and the life. And it's important that you understand that Jesus, when he said I am, he chose those words on purpose because God revealed to Moses that that's his name. The creator God of the universe said, my name is I am, and he revealed that to Moses. Now, when you reveal something, you're telling somebody something they wouldn't have guessed or they wouldn't have figured out on their own. I mean, if a, uh, a magician pulls a rabbit out of a hat and you didn't see where it came from, and later on he pulls you aside and says, hey, let me show you where there's a trap door and the table, and this is how I was able to get that done. It's like, oh, he had to reveal it to you because you didn't see it. Well, it's the same way with God. When we talk about God, we're talking about a being. He says, my thoughts are so high above yours. It's like the, as high as the heavens are above the earth. You're never going to figure this out on your own. And so when God explains things to us, then we have understanding and wisdom of things that we would never have grasped. And that's what it means to have things revealed. How would we know God's name if he didn't tell us? How would we guess it? And so when God was calling Moses to lead the children of Israel out of slavery, where they'd been in slavery for hundreds of years, he appeared to Moses in a bush that was on fire. Moses was a shepherd at the time, and he got Moses' attention because it was a bush that started on fire, and it burned and burned, and Moses went over to see what was going on, and the Lord spoke to him from the bush and said, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of slavery. And here's how Moses responded. He says, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I mean, so this is God's name. I am. And it's the perfect name for God because he's always existed and always will. And that's important because today we're talking about that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's talking about the way to heaven, the way to God's presence forever. Well, if God doesn't live forever, then there's nobody up there. There might not be anybody up there preparing a place for us. There may not be a heaven. But if God has always existed and always will, and he's telling us, I've got a place for you, well, that changes everything. And that's why it's so important we understand this. In the last book of the Bible, in Revelation 1, it says this, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. I am the one who is, who always was, and is still to come, the Almighty One. I'm not the God who just was or the God who will be. I was, I will be, I am now. My name is I Am. And so as faithful as God was in the past, he'll be that faithful in the future, and he's that faithful today. And if that's good news to you this morning, will you say amen? amen? Well, that God wants you and me to know him and have a personal relationship with him. 
That's why Jesus came into the world. In fact, point two on your outline tells us that Jesus is, I am, this God, the creator God of the universe, in the flesh. Now, in the discussion questions for our connect groups, I had everybody read a, it's under the sixth question on the back of your outline here, but I'm having everybody read a statement of belief from our little statement of beliefs on our webpage. You can see this. As the Bible teaches, there is one God, infinite, almighty, eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each possesses all the attributes of deity. They are co-equal in one God. What we believe about God is that God is one God existing in three persons. And God the Father sent God the Son down to this world to rescue us from sin. In fact, when John, one of Jesus' disciples, was writing a letter, here's what he said. He said we, to early Christians, he said, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us. We never would have guessed it. And we've seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. And we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so you may fully share our joy. The word fellowship means companionship, means community. And John says, I want you to join us because Jesus told us a way that we can have fellowship with him, the source of all life. We saw him. We touched him. We heard him speak out loud. And I'm writing these things so you can know what he said. When we worship Jesus, we are worshiping the same God who appeared to Moses in the burning bush. The same God who created the whole universe. The God who exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When we baptize people, that's why we baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Because we're baptizing them in the name of the God of the Bible who's revealed himself to us this way. Now, all this is important for us to understand before we talk about what Jesus said today, because when he says, I am the way, he's saying, I'm the way to relationship with the God who made you. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you and me. I hope you let that sink in today. The God who made us, the God who has gifted us and given us amazing opportunities, the God who knows every hard thing in our life, the God who knows every foolish and sinful thing we've done and loves us anyway, that God wants a relationship with you and me. And through Jesus, that's all possible. And today, we're going to wrap up the series by reminding ourselves of the fact that Jesus is the way. The way to have a relationship with God in person, to have a personal relationship with him forever. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I thank you that you revealed your name to Moses. I thank you that you revealed yourself to us far better when you sent Jesus into the world. And so, Heavenly Father, we just come before you today and we ask that you speak. Lord, I ask that you'd move me out of the way and show us what we need to know about you today. Show us what Jesus meant when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Please, Lord. In the name of in the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Point B in your outline takes us to the next step. The night before he was crucified, Jesus told his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I wish I would have put in there, you can write above told, that word there, you could write the word revealed. He revealed to his disciples, I am the way. I mean, this is something they wouldn't have understood without him explaining it. And so here's what he said. This is from John 14, starting with verse 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to go prepare a place for you? And when everything's ready, you know uh, I will come and get you, so you'll always be with me where I am. And you know the way where I'm going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. The night before he was crucified, Jesus has his disciples together in a special meeting. They're observing the Passover together, which, taught, which commemorates how the, when the Israelites put blood on the doorposts of their houses, the angel of death passed over. It was when Moses was leading the people out. This was a promise of God, the God who sent Moses. I am. And during this meeting, when they're remembering all of this, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he meant to make this exact connection. But let me start at the beginning of that paragraph I just read. He told his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Well, why were their hearts troubled? Well, he had told them he was about to die. He had told them he was going to be crucified and beaten and spit on and mocked. He told them that he would rise again, and they weren't sure exactly what that meant. He'd also told them that among them there was a traitor, and Judas had left. He'd also told them when Peter said, he told them they can't go where he was going. And Peter said, Lord, I'll go wherever you go. I'm willing to die for you. And he said, Peter, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny three times you even know me. So Jesus was leaving, going to a place they couldn't go. He was going to die, be mocked and beaten and spit on. Peter was going to fail. Some, Judas was going to betray him. They were troubled. That's a bad meal. <laughs> okay. I mean, Passover meals were normally like Christmas and Thanksgiving put together. This was a festive time. Can you imagine getting together with your family and somebody in the family goes, I'm glad y'all came. Yeah, about to lose the house. It's all going to burn down. By the way, your inheritance is gone and no one's going to find any of this later on. Have a good meal. Okay, you go, goodness gracious, this is terrible. Sounded like the world was ending to them. And Jesus was telling him, oh no, oh no, 
this is just beginning. You trusted in God, you're going to have to trust in me now. And he said, there's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to go prepare a place for you? And when everything's ready, I'll come and get you. So you'll always be with me where I am. When Jesus told his disciples that, he said, look, I'm about to die. And after I've risen from the dead, I'm going to go to heaven in front of you. And I'm going to go prepare a place for you in heaven. So you'll always be with me where I am. You'll be in my presence forever. And it won't just be an existence of a continuation of life in this world. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, this world has good things in it. Don't get me wrong, but this world can be painful and really let us down. And it's not just a continuation with broken bodies when we get old or sick. We'll have brand new bodies that'll live forever. And Jesus said, I don't want you to get upset that I'm going to a place you can't go because where I'm going, I'm going to get everything ready for you. And when everything's ready, I'm going to come back and get you. I mean, people often ask me, it's like, what is that like? And I remember, man, when I first started ministry at um, Fraser Methodist, John Ed Matheson was a senior pastor at the time. And I was with him once when somebody asked him that question. And they were facing, a, you know, passing away pretty soon. They said, well, I'm going to pass away. I, I'm going to die. It's like, what's this going to be like? John had said, well, I don't, I don't know exactly. But uh, he said, I heard a story once about a young boy. And he was one of five kids. And, and the mom and the dad and all five of these kids lived in a small apartment in the city where it was always loud and noisy and it wasn't safe. And uh, the, they were trying to get out of the city and get a better life for their kids, but they just couldn't find a job. And there was always tension and money was tight and other things. And finally, one day, his dad got this amazing offer for a job up in the mountains. And the family was excited, so they loaded up their car and a moving truck. And the little boy got in the car with his mom and his, a couple of his siblings. And the truck and the car headed up into the mountains. They got stuck in all kinds of traffic, and it took all day. And on the way up to the mountains, a little boy fell asleep. And um, so while he was asleep, when they arrived at the house in the mountains, the parents carried him up to his room, put him in bed. The next morning, the boy woke up, and he was in this room all by himself. He'd never had that much space at all. And some of the artwork from his school was hanging on the wall. He looked out the window, and there were beautiful mountains. It was quiet. He went downstairs. His mom was making breakfast, and it smelled so good. He ran up to his mom, and he goes, where are we? And he goes, we're at our mountain house. Well, when are we going back to the apartment? Oh, we're never going back. This is our home now. Well, where did I wake up? And she goes, that's your room. That's the place we prepared for you. Man, Johnny, I could tell a story. Anyway, but... <laughs> We're never going back. It's better here. This is the place we prepared for you. Man, that gives us so much hope. 
And Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. This is going to be a hard time coming up. I know it's going to be confusing for you, but you can't go where I'm going now because I'm preparing a place for you. And when it's ready, I'm going to come and get you. I promise. And it's going to be so amazing. You're not going to believe it. And you'll always be with me where I am. This is our home. And then he said, and you know the way where I'm going. And then I love Thomas. I mean, Thomas, thank goodness he's in the Bible. Because this would be, I mean, this is so good. He goes, you know the way I'm going. And then Thomas spoke up and said, no, we don't, Lord. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? I mean, this is like, sometimes this happens to me. I'm standing next to somebody and they'll introduce somebody. And, they'll, and I'll say hello and walk away and they go. And it's a woman who's married to somebody. And they'll, they'll go, well, you know, that's Joe's sister. And I'll go, no. And they'll go, how did you not know that was Joe's sister? Well, she has a different last name. She lives in a different city. She's six inches shorter, has different color hair, looks nothing like him. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then they revealed to me that before she got married, she had the same last name as Joe. They go, you know. And I go, no, I have no idea. And so Jesus does a little more revealing here. He goes, Thomas, you do know the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I'm eternal life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, a couple of points on this. Jesus didn't say he knew the way. He said, I am the way. And this is important. Because Jesus is more than a prophet. He certainly gave amazing prophecies about the future. That's true. But he's more than that. He's God in the flesh. And through a relationship with him, you and I can have eternal life. He himself said this. This is from John 3.16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. Anyone who comes to him and believes in him. Believes what? Believes that he is God in the flesh. Believes that when he died on the cross, he died to pay the penalty for my sins. Believes that if I surrender my life to him, he will guide me. Because he's the one who made me. He's the creator God of the universe. He understands me. And because he was fully God and fully human, and he's willing to love me and take my place, I can trust him completely. And he said, Thomas, if you know that, then you know the way. I'm the way. If you have faith in me, when you die, it'll be just like that little boy falling asleep in the car. You'll wake up in the place I've prepared for you, and we'll be together forever. And it's also important to remind ourselves that Jesus didn't say, I'm one of many ways to God. He said, no one can come to the Father except through me. This is not popular in our culture today. It wasn't popular then. In fact, I have a reference for you from Acts 4.12. 
Peter and John, two of Jesus' disciples, were a part of an amazing miracle. A lame man who couldn't walk, he was brought to his feet by Peter. He was able to walk in the name of Jesus. A mighty miracle was done. And Peter and John told everybody that he was healed in the name of Jesus. And many people came to faith in Christ because of this. Well, the leaders of the temple, the same people who put Jesus to death on the cross, didn't want them talking about Jesus. And so they brought them in. They said, you got to quit talking about Jesus. You got to quit telling people that we had him nailed to the cross. You got to quit talking that way. You got to quit talking like that dead guy is still alive. And here's what Peter said. Peter said, "There's salvation. we can't because there's salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Because Jesus alone is God in the flesh. Because of that, he could live a sinless life. And because he lived a sinless life, he could be the one person who could be a sacrifice for my sins and for yours and for the sins of the whole world. Paul reflected on this and when he wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, it says this, there's one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. And so though, although Jesus looked just like an ordinary man on the outside, he was fully God at the same time. And Paul said, don't ever get this confused. There's no other way. Some of you heard me share this before. A few years back, I had a woman come to visit me and she said, I like coming to your church. I like coming to the worship services. The music is good. She said, you're a pretty good teacher. You hold my interest. You're not boring, which was good. She said, the people are friendly. Coffee's even good. Oh, there we go. Got an amen for the coffee. Okay. She said, but I got to tell you, You'd get a lot more people here if you'd quit talking about just Jesus all the time. We had a good conversation up to that point, okay? <laughs> I told her, look, I understand what you're saying, but we are never going to stop talking about Jesus. Because Jesus is the only way. He is God in the flesh. And if more people came, what would I be leading them to? A meeting? Good coffee? I want them to know Jesus because he's the way, the truth, and the life. I don't know the way to heaven. You don't know the way to heaven. Jesus does. Well, how do we know he knows the way to heaven? Because he died and came back. Nobody else has ever done that. He came from heaven, died on the cross to pay our sins, and proved he was the Son of God because he rose from the dead. Don't miss this. And that brings us to the next point in the outline. Jesus didn't claim to be just a great moral teacher or a role model. He claimed to be, I am. He claimed to be the source of life itself. 
Every now and then people will say, well, you know, Jesus was a good teacher, but he never claimed to be God. Yes, he did. In this very passage, he goes on to Philip, said to him, well, Lord, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the Father. No one come to the Father except through me. And then Philip said, well, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Listen to how Jesus answered. Jesus replied, Philip, have I been with you all this time and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Just believe that I am in the Father, the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the works you've seen me do. We cannot miss this. The reason we believe in Jesus is because Jesus is God in the flesh. Fully God, fully human at one time, at the same time. It's a miracle, it's a mystery, and I won't be able to explain it to the satisfaction of somebody wants to know how all that works. I'm just telling you what God has revealed to us. Now, there are a couple of implications from this. Point C, you and I must decide whether or not we trust Jesus and believe that he really is the only way. And this is the choice in front of everybody. I mean, there are a lot of people who say, no, I mean, Jesus is a way. But there are other religions in the world. I mean, you've got to choose your own higher power, whatever you want it to be, as long as you're sincere. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, no, you have to come to the Father through me. So trusting Jesus is a personal decision. I have to decide that. You have to decide what you believe. I can't make you believe this. We're not going to baptize people and wrestle them down in the water. Never. This is something you come freely and say, this is what I believe. This is what I want to do. And that's why it always requires faith. Jesus wants to come to him. He wants us to love him and choose him. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust God. Trust also in me. We read that just a minute ago in John 14, 1. Now listen to Jesus in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me. When Jesus called his disciples, he said, follow me. So when people are made disciples as Christians, we come to follow Jesus. That's why he's the shepherd. We went over that I'm the good shepherd. Shepherds in the Middle East didn't herd their sheep like cowboys. They called them. He said, my sheep know me. They know my voice. They follow me. You come freely. Not out of guilt or fear or shame. Just the opposite where you say, God, I have, put all, I have all kinds of guilt in my life. I come to you freely because I want to give it to you. I'm not going to pressure you into doing this. No one at this church ever would. But we're always going to invite you to come to Jesus. He can forgive all our sins. He can heal broken hearts. He can give us a clear understanding of what life is all about and give us purpose and meaning to our lives. And that's why we want you to come. He can do exactly what he said there, give us rest for our souls. 
So trusting Jesus is a personal decision and trusting Jesus is an urgent decision. When everything's ready, I'll come and get you. That's what Jesus said in John 14, 3. Well, that was over 2,000 years ago. And he may be coming soon. He told his disciples, you don't know what day I'm coming. You better be ready. In fact, when Peter reflected on this later in his life, he said, in the last days, scoffers are going to come mocking the truth and following their own desires. And they'll say, hey, whatever happened to that promise that Jesus is coming back? Whatever happened to that? I thought Jesus said he was getting everything ready and one day he was going to come and get his disciples. Whatever happened to that? From before the times of our ancestors, everything's remained pretty much the same since the world was first created. And then Peter goes on, he says, you know, the Lord really isn't being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. There will be a day when Jesus returns. There will also be a day if he tarries that I will die and you will die and we will stand in his presence. So the question is, am I ready for that eventuality? What do I believe? It's personal and it's urgent. Now, the third thing I want to say about this is that trusting Jesus is a decision to repent of our sins. He's being patient, giving more time for people to repent. To repent means to turn from living my life my own way and saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. I've made a mess of my life, and Jesus, I want to follow you. Man, I will never forget when that happened for me. So when I was in college and I surrendered control of my life to the Lord. Oh my goodness. Some people explained to me, they said, John, one day you will die. And for all the years you have left in this world, how are you going to live? Who are you going to follow? Is your life, do you know where you're going? I said, I don't. And they told me about the good shepherd who would guide me. Do you have a rich, fulfilling life? No. And they told me about the bread of life who truly satisfies. I mean, think of all the things we've said over the last six weeks. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. You try to fill your life with anything else, you'll always go hungry. You come to me, I'll truly satisfy you. You stumble around in the dark. You don't know where you're going. I'm the light of the world. Follow me. You don't have to walk in darkness. I'm the light of life. You don't have to be afraid of dying because I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the source of everything good. I'm the source of hope. I'm the source of wisdom. I'm the source of all power. You can't do anything on your own. And Jesus said, but if you stay connected with me and abide with me, I will fill you with life and light and meaning and purpose. I'll forgive all your sins. And I'll ask my heavenly father to send the Holy Spirit. He won't just be with you. He'll be in you. And so to, to come to Jesus means exactly that. To repent of going our own way. 
and to follow him. If you openly desire, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and you could circle the word Lord there and put boss, maybe that'll help. If you openly declare that Jesus is your boss, I surrender my life to him, he knows better than me, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. I always love it when people get involved in a 12-step program and they start going through the first couple of steps of it because the first few steps are, are these. Step one is we came to realize that our lives were unmanageable and we were powerless over whatever was destroying their life. The second step is we realized that God could restore our sanity. And the third step is we decided to let him. Our lives were completely out of control and unmanageable. We didn't know where we were going. We couldn't handle it. And we realized that God can handle it. The third step is, is that we decided to let him. When people come to come to Christ, that's what they're doing. They're saying, Lord, I've made a mess of my life. It's unmanageable. I need you. And maybe today, God has called you here today for just this reason. Or maybe today, he called you here to remind you that this is what he did in your life a few years ago, and you can give him thanks. Or maybe he brought you here so you go, that's exactly right, and now I know how to explain it to a friend. Or maybe all three. But whatever the case, I want us to have a word of prayer and ask God to convince us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I want to thank you that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. I want to thank you that you revealed your love to us through Christ, who gave up his life, even though he had never sinned. I want to thank you that you revealed through him that you will guide us as the good shepherd. I want to thank you that you revealed through Christ that you're the only one who can satisfy our souls. You're the bread of life. I want to thank you that you revealed through him that you have a place prepared for all of us who come to Christ so we can live with you forever in heaven. And so, gracious God, we come before you today and we ask you to convince us of these things. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.